you probably have had some experience over your life of something to the equivalent of the, the hum and the refrigerator stops. And you didn't even know there was a hum until it stopped. And, to, and then you said, ah, oh, that's good, the silence. Sometimes we don't recognize the stress that we're living under because it's so chronic or we're not paying attention. And if it's going to be true with the refrigerator, it's also true with the, the motor in our minds, the reactivity and the spinning and the preoccupation. Sometimes we don't recognize this, the strain it puts until something stops. Sometimes we recognize we're really preoccupied and caught up in some kind of concern, which is another way of saying that we're in a cycles of re-reacting. We're reacting and reacting again and again to the same thing and spinning in a sense. And then we might have the wisdom to say, I, this doesn't, I need to stop this. So we go for a walk around the block. We go for exercise. We maybe read a nice book that distracts us from us. And somehow or other, we get our mind off the concern, onto something else that's more healthy. And then the re-reacting, the ways which the reactivity self-generates more and more and more, has stopped and something settles. Maybe it's enough just go for a walk and we come back and we feel refreshed. And it's like, ah, it stopped. That was great. That was so, it was so terrible to be caught in that loop of thoughts. But thank God it stopped and the re-reactivity has, has come to a stop. So the ending of things can be a relief. The ending of things can show us a different way. And uh, endings are, are most impactful if the, if the, 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 the absence that follows that ending um, is experienced. If we know, if we allow ourselves to experience the end of being preoccupied, we can be nourished by that. We can be inspired by it. It can teach us something. This is good. If we uh, never meditated and just all we knew was the mind is always thinking, that's what it does. And then the mind gets really quiet, almost as if there's no thought. And you take time to feel that absence of thinking, wow, this is good. I'm alive, I'm present, I'm alert. There's no stress, none of the stress of thinking going on. This is actually quite nice. And um, so who are you when you don't use thoughts to answer the question? What's happening now when you don't explain it? Tell yourself through thinking and thoughts and images. Is there a different way of experiencing the world and oneself when it's not through the medium of our thinking and ideas of it? 
is there a different way of experiencing our life with when there is no reactivity? And the answer is, I hope that yes, it is. That's what kind of this eight, this this four noble truths is pointing to. There is dukkha, the first noble truth. There is the arising appearing of dukkha. There is a cessation, the ending of dukkha. And as I've, uh, for the purposes of this day, I'm kind of translating dukkha as reactivity. There is reactivity. There's the appearing of that reactivity, the beginning of it. And there is a time when that reactivity ends. And if we're not living in the generalizations of things, the generalities that we're thinking lives, but rather in the particular flow of the present moment experience, you're more likely to recognize a lot of little endings of things and the beginning of the next things. Some things repeat themselves, but still they come and they go. But what about the cessation, the, when things, the absence? I imagine that all of you have had not just a little bit of reactivity over your lifetime, but probably, you know, a basket full of it, reactivity. Most of which you probably don't even remember what it was about, or they even had it. Maybe big things you remember, but in all the millions of thoughts you've had over your lifetime, how many of them do you, you remember that you had? All, the, all those thoughts that you don't remember, some point they stopped, they ceased, they're gone. Some of them you do remember, you're very happy they're not there anymore. And you wouldn't want me to remind you. Some of the reactivity you've had in the past is gone. Part of this uh, Four Noble Truth is to appreciate the absence. And I'll explain to this more later, but this absence of reactivity is actually a very important part of the benefits that we get from the Four Noble Truths when we really kind of can really live in the perspective that this is pointing to. So as we do this next sitting, a short sitting, perhaps you can um, focus a little bit on not just the arising and passing of things, but also notice things that have stopped, who are no longer here. Not so much things that, you know, were there yesterday and not there now today, but in the moment here, things pass. And what's that absence like? Maybe your thoughts, you let go of your thoughts and 
and there's an absence of thoughts for a few moments. Can you feel, is there an ah, there's something good about that absence? If you see yourself being reactive and then you're no longer reactive, is there an ah? See if you can appreciate absence, not just what's present, but what's not, what's no longer present. It has this same, it has kind of a value and power in a sense as the refrigerator turning off and the hum stops. Ah. See if you can recognize the ouches as ouches, the ahs as ah, and incline yourself towards the ah. Set yourself in the direction of the ahs, not in the direction of the ouches. So, assuming your meditation posture. And taking some deep breaths and exhaling, relaxing as you exhale. And right there in the relaxing, there may be the ending of something. The absence of some degree of tension holding.
If you are not preoccupied, what non-reactivity might you enjoy sitting here?
As you stay with your breathing, can you imagine that breathing occurs within a large context of non-reactivity? No judgment, no wanting, no needing. No explanations, no ideals for how it should be. Just the simplicity of breathing, independent of any reactivity, any thinking about it, just breathing.
Imagine a time when you're least reactive, peaceful, settled, quiet. And there's no inclination to speak reactively. And you would recognize no speech which is harsh, no speech which is unkind or mean. There's no inclination towards it. With the mind not driven by reactivity and fear and desires, Maybe you'd recognize inside of yourself no inclination to lie, to lie to a friend of yours. No inclinations to steal anything. Maybe not even an inclination to harm any living being. Maybe when there's no reactivity to things, your mind is at ease with the comings and goings, with whatever is here in the present moment. Maybe you can imagine that something in you has a chance to settle deeply. A deep, Relaxing, letting go, being centered here. Maybe with the absence of reactivity, you can imagine that now you can see more clearly In the Dharma, the absence of dukkha, the absence of reactivity, is a very important experience, very important time. We behave differently, we live differently from that place. If you compare the times in your life where you've been most reactive, most easily triggered and upset and stressed out, how you might behave then versus the times in your life when you are most peaceful, most non-reactive, most spacious, 
Would you behave differently then? The ending of dukkha, the ending of reactivity is not a neutral event. It doesn't make you neutral. It gives a chance for something very meaningful to live through you. The best qualities of heart are not reactive qualities. So the fourth noble truth is a noble truth of the way to the cessation of suffering or the way that opens, maintains non-reactivity. So now we come to what's usually called the Eightfold Path. The fourth noble truth is often defined as the Eightfold Path. But what's interesting about the Eightfold Path, a good number of the factors on the path are absences. The absence, the, so for the second uh, factor of the Eightfold Path is, uh, it's, called, it's called right resolve, right intention, right thinking, something like that. But the way it's defined is through the absence of something. It's the absence of cruelty, the absence of ill will, and the absence of clinging. It's not exactly defining what you do do, 
but what you're not doing. The third factor of the path is is um, right speech. It's also described by what you don't do. You don't lie. Don't speak harshly. Don't speak cruelly. The fourth factor of the path is right action. It's also defined what you don't do, the absence of killing, the absence of stealing, the absence of sexual misconduct. The fifth factor is the absence of livelihood that causes harm. The the sixth factor of the Eightfold Path, right effort, has a lot to do with the absence of reactivity. To say it's kind of paraphrase or restate it. If you're being reactive, stop. If you're not yet reactive, don't be. So there's kind of an ending of something. It goes on to say, if, if you're doing what's beneficial, keep doing it. If you haven't done it yet, start doing it. And then there's right mindfulness, a lot of which can be understood not as something you do, but all the things you stop doing so our natural capacity to be aware can shine, can be present. The teachings of the Buddha, mindfulness is not something we do, but it's closer to something we are. It just operates. It's what's left. The clarity, the openness, the attentiveness. And right concentration. The first time I was introduced to the idea of deep meditative concentration in Thailand, the monk who I was talking to said, explained to me, it's mostly about letting go. Concentration is mostly about, again, what you don't do, just letting go. So if the third noble truth is the cessation of dukkha, cessation of reactivity. And that's, uh, and the deeper and more thorough and more fully that ending, that cessation occurs, the bigger impact it's gonna have on your mind and heart, the more it's gonna get your attention. Sometimes there are dramatic stoppings that happen in practice. Just, wow, just everything falls away. Or lots and lots of our stuff fall away. Wow, this is possible. Sometimes it's gradual, sometimes it's sudden. I think probably the first time that I experienced something like this was in my first seven-day retreat. It gradually built over time. And by the sixth day, I said, wow, I didn't know it was possible to be this quiet in the mind, this settled. Two days after the retreat was over, I didn't know it was possible anymore. 
it was like long gone. But when it happened, wow, this is this got my attention. No one told me anything about how to live in harmony with that phenomenally peaceful sense of well-being that I had. No one told me that living ethically was a way to stay close to it, to express it, to live it. No one told me that uh, the reason I felt so good was because I was no longer so attached and caught up in my reactive world. So when the quieting of the mind, the ceasing of reactivity is impactful enough to get our attention, well, this is different. This is a different way of living. Then we can ask ourselves, well, how do we want to live now? How, how can I live from this place? And the answer to that question is the Eightfold Path. And in the teachings of the Buddha, one of the ways that the Eightfold Path exists as a person for a person is not as something they do, but something they are once they've let go thoroughly enough. If you let go thoroughly enough, you don't want to be cruel, have ill will. You don't want to lie or steal or kill or you don't want to stay caught up in reactivity. It's the most natural thing to live in harmony with that, to not pick not pick the ouches up again. So the Eightfold Path is not so much like this big thing that you have to do. Let's get busy <laughs> doing the Eightfold Path. There's eight of them. It's a, you, you're going to keep you busy. Eight hour a day, an hour a day for each. Uh, but rather, it's it's like resting back, letting go, remembering, oh, the Eightfold Path is who I am when I'm not reactive. There's a way of living from our non-reactivity that is phenomenal. So this path of the Four Noble Truths Seeing dukkha, really seeing it as non-reactively as possible, seeing reactivity non-reactively, seeing the or seeing how it appears and disappears, especially when we can be not reactive to it. We see it come and go. We see its passing as we kind of settle into this world more and more, that passing, that ceasing of it all becomes bigger and bigger, more and more meaningful. The peace that it provides becomes more and more meaningful. And then how do we live from that peace? How do we live from that sense of well-being? The Eightfold Path doesn't take anything away from us which is healthy and wonderful within us. It helps rid of, helps rid us rid of us of our reactivity. And what we're left with is a ethical way of living in the world that's defined or described by the Eightfold Path. The first factor which is 
to remember the perspective of the Four Noble Truths. There's reactivity and there's the arising and ceasing of it. Don't take it so seriously. It just, it's, it, they're, they're just coming and going phenomena. Don't have to define yourself by it. Don't have to be to hate it. Don't have to pick it up. Don't have to understand the underlying cause. Just settle back and just observe, be with the comings and goings and appreciate that part of your life, which is the ceasing of it, the letting go of it, the, the ending of it. And then allow yourself, let that ending register deeply. Let the peace, whatever degree of cessation that you have, trust it. Don't give it up easily. If you have, if you accident, are accidentally peaceful one day, be careful with it. Don't give it up easily. Don't hold on to it. But see what it's like to live from that place and how your living becomes different. So we have one more meditation that's gonna be in 10 minutes. It's probably a bit soon after all this. So maybe we can do it in 15. So maybe we can start again here at um, 335 for a short meditation. And, um, and then we'll do a question and answer period uh, for a few minutes and end at 4.30. So start again in here at uh, 3.35. If you're here at 3.30, I'll be here also. So enjoy your short break.